This is Beyond Ag, a podcast dedicated to intellectual conversations with leaders and influencers of agriculture. I'm your host, Isaiah Pruitt. Today's episode is sponsored by the LaRue County Office of Kentucky Farm Bureau Insurance. Price Smith, Agency Manager. It's Jeremy Hinton, co-owner of Hinton's Orchard and Farm Market, located in Buffalo, Kentucky, on Highway 210 in Elizabethtown on 31W. Um, a little background for me here, I've grown up down from Hinton's my whole life, just a couple miles. Um, I've appreciated all the work they've done for here in agriculture in LaRue County and here in Kentucky. So Jeremy, I want to start out with, um, recently you were awarded the 2020 Best in Kentucky Award. So why don't you tell us a little bit about that and how you were nominated and how that process went. Yeah, thanks. That was um, that was a neat um, exposure, neat uh uh, honor for us we've been fortunate enough to be in the top three the last two years um with one second and one third so it was it was fun to uh to get in that top spot finally um been some great um some great other folks in there with us in the top three and some good friends um denison's and and cheney's and then uh and then one year the horse park was in there with us in that in that top three so some some great company there and to be recognized um as the top best in kentucky for for agritourism was was pretty exciting um that process is um of course done through the the uh kentucky living the nolan rcc magazines and um it's strictly a vote voting process um online ballot and and votes cast by uh our customers and friends and the same with with other businesses in in other areas and it's been kind of neat to see how hodgenville and larue county folks have have kind of banded together and helped promote each other through that process and the chamber's done a good job of of uh promoting that and kind of helping make sure everybody's voting as often as they can and um, helping LaRue County really shine a light on LaRue County and, and showcase the good things we've got going on here in LaRue County. Yeah, Sandy Kidd, I think, posted that link almost every single day. She did a great job, yeah, putting it out. So the, the really point of this interview <clears throat> I want to talk about is, um, you know, COVID-19 and how everything's been impacted by that. So you just wrapped up um, pumpkin season, but, you know, so how has, you know, COVID-19 affected that usually, which is probably one of the most productive points um, of the year for you all, and how has it affected Hinton's as a whole and your life? Well, it's it's certainly been a, a different kind of a year uh, from start to finish for us, and, and we're not finished yet, so we've still got questions about how the end of the season will go. But um, starting with the most recent season and kind of working backwards, I, I guess, um, since you since you ask it in that way pumpkin season was uh was a challenge um a lot of our um things that we normally do we had to we had to adapt and change and um hay rides for example we um we asked folks to wear masks on there and we took out some of the bales and and spread people out a little more on the wagon than we normally do and just kind of limited that capacity um, to about half what we normally put on the wagon. Um, so from a from a safety standpoint, that's the thing we felt like we needed to do. Um, you know, from a cost of operations standpoint, you're you're taking half as many people out, but you're still using the same amount of fuel. You got still got the same equipment. You still got the same driver. Um, so uh, cost per 
person goes up but the the peace of mind and and people feeling like they were safe i think um was worth that and i know we got a lot of a lot of positive comments um from folks that they that they felt safe uh, they felt like we were trying to do the right things to keep people spread out um we weren't able to do some of our bigger festival events that we have done in the past um like we uh, our hot air balloon glow event that we've done the weekend before halloween um, has been our biggest event of the year the last three years um and it just it brings a big enough crowd to the farm all at once that it's really diff would, would have been very difficult uh, for us to keep those folks spread out and maintain any kind of social distancing even though we're outside it still um, was going to be a pretty crowded environment and so we just elected not to not to do that event this year and put it off till next year so um from a revenue standpoint that obviously hurt um to to take your biggest day of the year and um, and cut it back um, the other the other issue we had in the fall was like school tours um, and that's something that from the very start of our business has been real important to us um, in our um, our effort to try to educate the public about agriculture um, bring them to the farm especially with kids um, to bring kids um, most of our groups are kindergarten, first grade, that age. So, uh, you know, an impressionable age to be able to show them a little bit about where their food comes from and kind of plant that seed of, um, to put a face with, with farming and, um, teach them a little bit about food, where their food comes from. And hopefully that, that little glimpse into agriculture makes them a, a more educated consumer when, you know, 20 years down the road, they're making their own decisions about food and, um, so that's been a real important piece for us from the very beginning here. Um, probably as much for the value that we see in doing that as it is about the revenue that it generates. But um, obviously the, the revenue is, is, is enough that, that we miss it when it's not there. Um, both from the standpoint of, you know, we, we charge the, the kids to come out just to cover costs, but then they also bring parents and and buy other products while they're here so um so that hurt our revenue um especially through the month of october but the flip side of that was we we saw an increase um most weekends over a year ago so folks weren't coming during the week with school tours but they were coming out um, on the weekends and then we also saw uh, more traffic than normal through the week with a lot of kids being um, on the NTI and families looking for something to do during the week and just you know get schoolwork done and, and looking for something to do in the afternoon um, we had good weather through the fall season which can make or break that fall season and so there's lots of opportunities for for families to come out uh, whether it be for the longer visit on the weekend or just for a a short outing to come out and play for a little while and um, we we change what we do a little bit during the week and don't offer quite as many as many things um, as we do on the weekend but it was still a good just get out of the house trip and and to come out and so um, it, overall we we saw a little decrease in sales but it wasn't probably what we were afraid that it could have been I guess this may be the best way to say it um, 
back up from the and, and look at the rest of the year um, and we start out our season um, in the spring with bedding plants and vegetable plants um, flowers and it was a, a good bit of apprehension going into the season not really knowing how many people would get out and what they would do and how they what their spending habits were going to be but um, had a had a really successful spring season um, I think there was a combination of lots of people wanted to put out a garden everybody was concerned about food and so there were lots of um, new gardeners or gardeners that hadn't put things out for quite a while so we saw a, a really strong demand for vegetable plants and vegetable seeds and and all things related to to putting out a garden um, and then the other thing I think that happened is people were at home more um, and so they wanted to spend a little more time and, and effort and money um, into making home look nice and so I think that um, that helped push demand for flowers and hang baskets and um, that kind of thing just kind of that attitude of well if we're going to be trapped at home all summer then we need to we want to do some extra stuff to make it look nice and so um, that equaled a good spring season uh, and then through the the summer season there was a, a good bit of increased demand for um, larger quantities of of lots of vegetables you know people were putting up tomatoes and corn and green beans in a way that um, we haven't seen uh, in the past I mean it, it really increased interest in that lots of people asking questions about how to put up this and how to preserve that and um, uh, everybody looking for looking for the um, supplies that they need jars and lids and all those kind of things that were um, in kind of scarce supply this year because of all that increased demand. So um, overall, um, you know, we, we've certainly adjusted how we've done business and, and made a lot of changes and, you know, never would have expected to, to ask people to wear a mask to come into our store, um, but, but have done that since early on in both locations and um, felt like it was the, the right thing to try to do to protect ourselves and our uh, you know protect our family protect our employees and their families and our and our customers um, just to to try to make that effort to uh, to be safe and um, so it, it has meant um, changes in the way we do business and um, but but in terms of sales we've really um, seen an increase in demand for for a lot of the products that that we have so it's it's been a very different year and it's been hard to predict what what's coming next and every season there's been a little bit of well okay that was, was that season was pretty good but i don't know what the next one's going to bring and so um and and there's been a lot of challenges in um in from a lot of our suppliers everything has been there's just been these strange bottlenecks of of supplies along the way that have has left us without product at you know specific products at certain times that we've never had issues getting before but you know the um run out of uh, you know the somebody runs out of jars and they can't make this and then they can't pass it on down the line and so um some unusual challenges there and lots of scrambling and looking for other vendors and uh, spent a lot of time uh, online looking for uh, replacement items when I couldn't get from my normal supplier trying to find another supplier to to go to and so it, it's been a lot of a lot of that it's I've said uh, I've said all year everything uh, it seemed like everything we got ready to do was 10 or 15 percent harder than 
than it was a year ago. Just every step of the process, it seemed like there's a little extra um, time lag or have to look for another vendor or that kind of thing. So it, it has presented some challenges, but but sales wise, um, we've we've had a pretty good year. So. So what about the, um, the market out there? Of course, people can't just go around like usual, picking up, looking, putting back down. So how's yeah. that? How, how have you all encouraged not to do that and things yeah. like that? Yeah, and and that that's that's a good point and something we talked about early on because we've we've um, we've gravitated over time toward kind of this mix of packaged goods. For example, apples. We've got three different size bags of apples that we sell and then we would also normally have some apples out loose for somebody to just pick out one or two or three if they only wanted a few or if they wanted one of this and one of this and one of another variety then they could pick and mix and match and um same thing in the summer we we really struggled with how to do that you know green beans do you do we want people sticking their hands in and handling all those green beans and so we um we went to a lot more pre-packaged kind of things um we did some some bags and and packaged green beans um like two pounds and four pounds at a time which was kind of that you know family of two or or a larger family with kids um serving size and had those already measured out and ready to go and which which made it really easy for somebody to grab that bag and and go and it limited that contact um tomatoes were a little harder um we've um, didn't didn't come up with quite as good a way to do that. People still like to, to look and pick out the, the tomato that they want, but as many of the products as we could, we tried to, to do that packaged and sealed and um, so it was ready for them to grab it and go instead of leaving a lot of stuff out for people to really handle and, um, and just try to, to, to decrease that risk as much as we can. So outside of Hinton's here, how do you how do you think that you know this pandemic has affected small agriculturally focused businesses and markets across the state and maybe even this country? You know, it's been really interesting to hear different businesses talk about how it has impacted them, um, and and the divide of some businesses that have done exceptionally well. Um, you know, hear hear stories from, um, I think any kind of home improvement place, both the big box stores. I mean, we've heard lots of stuff about Lowe's, Home Depot, and lines and crowds there. But even the small um, local businesses, I think that uh, you know, paint and flooring and and those kind of things. Um, I hear that those demands have been have been really strong and then there are other businesses that have suffered and that just haven't been able to um to sell and and do the things that that they normally would do and and i i really feel for those businesses i hate that that that's happened and um you know i, I hope that we can um find some resolution to to the virus whether it's vaccine or or whatever um and get those businesses back to a place where where they can go um, you know and get back to normal uh, i think we've all learned to adapt and find new ways to do things um, early on we we had been talking for a year or more about an online store uh, and trying to open up and um, do some online ordering kind of thing and kind of that um, you know so many people use the click lists and 
um, Kroger's and Walmart's and, and those places are doing that. And so it's kind of a way to match up more with the way people shop there. We've been talking about that for, for a while, trying to figure out how to do that. And the, the circumstances early in the year pushed us to go ahead and do that and to launch an online store um, that would allow those who weren't comfortable coming into the market to get online and make an order and then come and pick it up. Um, we had a, a, a decent response to that, not a not a huge response, um, but I think it's something that you know it, it pushed us to try it, and it it's something that I think will continue to, to develop and and can grow, and we're working on. Um, getting items in there now for the thanksgiving and christmas season and so um i think that'll be uh something that changes the way we do business and i know for a lot of places it has really pushed them to be much more um online and you know some of the local um like local clothing stores that maybe have lost a lot of their walk-in traffic but they've put things online and are maybe selling more online than than they were before um so i think there's opportunities you know anytime you're you're in business i think it's important that you you're always ready to respond to changes that are that are coming along in the way that your customers want to do business and um you you have to adapt and and change and be willing to make those adjustments or they'll they'll leave you behind and so there's kind of this constant evolution of of any business i think um especially those that are dealing directly with the public because you know we know those those trends change over time but this year was really a, a case where you had to really kind of figure things out on the fly and figure out what what was going to work and what wasn't going to work and um some things that you thought would work didn't and some that you didn't maybe worked great so um you know, there's no question that that there are a lot of small businesses that that have been hurt by this and um you know contracts that or contract work that isn't being done because places are closed and that that kind of trickle trickle down thing that that happens when this business isn't doing well or is shut down and so they don't need the next product that you know that the another business is is making or providing and um so I, I feel for for those people and I'm, I'm thankful that we were able to have some resources available with the PPP loans and some of those stimulus money that, that came down to help small businesses and, and uh, we can we can hope that that was enough to get them to get them through until until better times um, you know I think agriculture as a whole um, you know I mentioned it earlier the the demand for food i don't think i've i've ever seen and you know we've we've in agriculture especially we've all talked about well if people got hungry or if people worried about where their food came from it might change their perspective about what agriculture is all about and what we do um and never in my lifetime have i seen that happen in the way that we did this year uh you know when people walk into grocery stores and the shelves are not empty and we were far from running out of food but just not being able to walk in and pick up everything that they thought they needed or wanted um, I think really made people look at agriculture in a way that maybe they never had before um, and it opened a lot of eyes to um, the agriculture system and the food system and, and how it all works and what a delicate balance it is too I think um, so 
I think maybe in the long run that's a good thing. Um, hopefully people will remember that. Um, you know, some of the folks selling local beef and, and even farmer's market and those kind of things, I think it's brought some demand back to that local food system and, and shine that light on that, which I think is a good thing for all of us. Um, and hopefully, hopefully that'll stick. So have you made it to um, Menards yet, talking about big box stores? No, I've not. I have, it's ginormous. I haven't been there yet, but I've seen pictures of people inside. Yeah, I've, I've heard a lot about it. And, you know, in, with our our business in the our garden center part of the business it's a it's a concern about how people will you know will react and maybe gravitate toward that business but um there again i think we just have to to be able to differentiate what we do from what from what a store like that does and be able to offer better service and hopefully more uh knowledge and insight into how to how to grow the plants and um do those kind of things and hopefully it won't hurt us but it's uh it should be a good resource for the community. Um, I hope not either. Um, so what can uh, businesses like yours do to recover from this pandemic, the impact it's had? How do you think they will respond and recover? You know, I told somebody yesterday, it's going to be really interesting to see how, um, how the history books tell this story 15, 20 years from now when we look back and say, you know, this was the turning point where this happened and it never went back and I think it's hard to, to know what those things are going to be today um, I hope that local food um, knowing more about where your food comes from having a better understanding and respect for the food system I hope that's an outcome of this um, that that will stick and that people will will remember and that they'll continue buying local not just food but but all kinds of things that people have gravitated back toward the smaller um, the smaller stores a little bit I think and so I think that could be a would be a good thing for small business and small communities like ours um, you know I think about zoom meetings and nobody had ever done a zoom I mean, people had done Zoom meetings, but most of us had never done a Zoom meeting. I had never heard of it before. Um, until this, and now we're, you know, we're even, um, even local organizations that are doing those meetings, and, you know, it, it saves a lot of travel time and expense um, to do some of these meetings by Zoom. Now, I, I miss the, the interaction and the one-on-one -on -one and being in a room with people, Um but you know, I've had a couple of cases where I had an hour meeting that was in Lexington. Um, so I would have normally spent three hours on the road to go to that meeting and to be back um, for an hour meeting. But if I can work or do whatever up to the point that it starts and then jump on a Zoom call and do that hour meeting and then get back to doing something else, then there's some real, some real advantages to that. Um, and I wonder if some of these things will ever go back to in person or if it may not stay, or, you know, maybe it's boards that meet once a year and then the rest of the year they're they're doing their meetings on Zoom. Um, you know, what's it gonna mean for churches? Um, you know, our attendance is, is down at our church um, 
but lots of people are are responding to um, the Facebook live services and listening to it on the radio and podcasts and doing those kind of things in ways that um, we never would have really envisioned in the past, I think, or at least in ways that, you know, those tools have been out there, but but they've been embraced a lot more than they have been in the past. So um, I'm not sure that's a good one that people gravitate towards staying home and watching church from home. Um, but at the same time, if it if it's a tool that uh, congregations can use to reach people that maybe wouldn't have been reached otherwise, then you know it's a great opportunity, and it's given us some time to to learn how it works and to use it. And now that we've kind of got it, now that you've kind of got it figured out, then it's not that hard to keep doing it. Um, even if you go back to a regular, everybody's in the building. Um, it still gives you that good outreach program. So um, there's going to be a lot of lessons learned um, out of it. You know, as far as as businesses recovering, I, I think it just all depends on how much longer this thing lasts and if every, if businesses can survive through this. Um, you know, anytime a, a business goes through a difficult time um, and gets stressed, you come out the other side stronger. Um, you know, if you can survive it and the lessons that you learn um, or that you should learn from, you know, tightening your belt and watching watching expenses and looking for those opportunities to be more efficient um, and and be more profitable in a really difficult time then then those are good lessons to carry forward um, so hopefully in the end small businesses will will survive this and be more efficient and be positioned to to be even better coming out the other side so one last question and this is one I ask usually everyone that I interview uh, so what is one of the most pressing issues in agriculture right now we've talk about how you know the pandemic has exposed a lot of um, yeah. issues and faults that we had and we must learn from so if you don't mind just elaborating on one of the most pressing that you believe um i have always thought that people's under general public's understanding of the food system um and their lack of their lack of knowledge and in most cases their really lack of even thinking about where their food comes from you know i don't think it's that people don't care where their food comes from or that they don't want to know where it comes from it's just that they don't think about it because it's so easy to walk into the store and have all this variety um anytime they want it you know walk into the grocery store and buy a tomato anytime that they wanted it and so they don't think about the seasonality of of produce and some of those things and they don't think about where that beef comes from and all the steps that lead up to um, you know ground beef being in the meat case so uh, I've always felt like that was a, a big challenge and I think it continues to be um, you know that's that's been one win in my book for social media has been the opportunity for um, for those of us in agriculture to be able to pull the curtain back a little bit and share our story and tell other people about what it's like every day on the farm and i mean i see some great um some great um, advocates out there on social media just showing everyday stuff about what they're doing on their farm and helping people understand what it's all about and um i think this the pandemic has maybe helped 
help that even a little more. So that's a challenge. I mean, we've we've seen um, challenges in meat processing, um, and been some some good investments in trying to shore up meat processing, local meat processing um, in the state. I hope that when we get through this that people will still gravitate toward those um and then it won't be a oh well there's plenty of there's excuse me there's plenty of meat at walmart again so i'm just going to go back over there and buy my buy my beef um so i hope that we can scale up um, local meat processing and that people will continue to to do that because i think it's good for um it's good for the consumers it's good for the farmers it's good for the local economy I, I think there's a lot of advantages to that so you know that's that's one specific thing um that's out there and you know we've just got to um we've got to keep embracing technology um i've my the zoom call that i've got here in a little bit today there we go with with <laughs> zoom calls um is about the agri-tech initiative and about how agriculture um, is affected by technology every day and what we can do to to help shape that future and the things that that we need and um, and we got to keep getting good people back into agriculture not um, you know both on the farm and in um, all the things that support agriculture the businesses that are developing this technology and um, you know good ag lenders and uh, farm managers and uh, market analysts and researchers and all the pieces that that help support the agriculture industry and uh, we've got to uh, we've got to continue to hold and, and attract good young people coming into agriculture and and doing a good job um, you know working hard to to support the industry and keep moving forward so you did just talk about technology and I actually wanted to cover this when we were talking about that is you have three children Mm -hmm. um, you talked about NTI and all that. Hmm. So, what has been, you know, broadband here in a very rural area? I think we were just talking about last night the perks of living here in Buffalo. Um, yeah. So, you know, you've had kids on NTI. You've been running the business. What's that been like, you know, internet wise? We we figured out pretty quickly that that we needed to kind of split things up, and we're fortunate that um, that our homes right here close to the business, and we can can go back and forth pretty easily. Um, but we run our um, our register system for the store um, is through an online platform, and so we're running credit cards and doing those things and and managing that part of the business online. Um, and then we're you know um, using online stuff all the time. We use an online ticketing platform this year uh, was one of the changes that we made just to be able to keep better track of how many people were here at a time and who was here and you know heaven forbid we had to go back and look and say okay who was here at such and such time you know for a potential exposure um so we needed that internet and to have three kids up here um trying to share that internet uh wi-fi signal with all the things that were already going on in the business just wasn't going to work um particularly i mean with the nti there's lots of videos there's lots of um, you know stuff that's pretty taxing on on a Wi-Fi stream if you don't have and and we don't have fiber here which I don't I don't think you do it no at yeah, home I either. think it's I mean, getting if we, close but we if don't we had either. fiber that would would help a lot but um, you know we're we're limited on on our broadband on our on our Wi-Fi on our internet signal so we split up and we've tried to have most days we'll have one of 
one of our kids up here doing school work and two at home and that has worked out worked out pretty good and kept everybody moving along at at speed that that we can all live with um, but there's still times where you have to say hey i need to do this can you not download a video <laughs> for a few minutes and you know wait yeah. wait till i finish this before you start doing this call or so it's been a challenge um and and you know certainly um the need for good broadband and good internet access is not going away that's that's something we're gonna have to it's only gonna get it's only gonna get to be a more demand for that all the time so um everything that most everything that we do technology wise is tied to is tied to that in some way so um, for better or worse, I think it's you know it's definitely something we've got to got to address and got to keep trying to improve the the network of of access in rural areas. Thank you for listening to this episode of Beyond Ag. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Anchor FM, and whatever else you may get your podcasts on. Make sure to subscribe and give us a rating. Don't forget to like us on Facebook and follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Beyond Ag. You can see our website at www.beyondagpodcast.com. If you are interested in advertising with us, visit our website or email me at isaiah at beyondagpodcast.com. That is I-S-A-I-A-H at beyondagpodcast.com.